0: this podcast may not be suitable for young listeners. We discuss very emotional topics and at times use grown-up language. Each episode could contain content that may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to The Secret in My DNA. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Michelle Perret. The Secret in My DNA is a podcast where NPEs and MPEs can share their stories. NPE is an acronym for Not Parent Expected or Non-Paternal Event. MPE means Misattributed Parental Event. This means that we've discovered that at least one assumed parent is not our biological parent. In 2016, I found out I was an NPE after taking an Ancestry DNA test And suddenly, life as I knew it was no longer the same. On this podcast, we share the experience of making our DNA discovery and what the journey has been like since. Most people cannot empathize or understand unless they've lived it. I find the podcast platform to be a wonderful way for us to come together as a supportive community in which we can heal from the trauma and take back our narrative by sharing our stories. With the hope that this will help others to cope with their new life altering truth. Welcome to episode seven, 33 months. My guest today is Allison. Hi, Allison, how are you? Hi, Michelle. I'm well, thank you. Great. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my story.
0: I really appreciate it. You're so very welcome. How about if you start by telling the listeners a little about yourself and where you're from? Okay, so I am currently 54 years old.
1: I was born in 1967 in California. I still live in California. I grew up in the Bay Area um, and I had a what would have been probably considered a traditional family of the time. I had two parents that were married to each other and a younger brother. And we grew up in basically a middle-class neighborhood. And, um, you know, that's sort of where where I come from. My brother is younger than I am. Uh, My parents weren't married at the time of my conception, but they were married at the time of my birth.
0: Okay. Um, And do you have
1: children of your own? I do. I have two grown children and one grandchild.
0: Wonderful! How do you like being a grandma? It is the best job ever. <laughs> yes,
1: it really, it really is rewarding. I love every
0: second of it. That's wonderful. So, Allison, tell me, when did you discover that you are an NPE? So,
1: uh, like many of us, I ended up taking a ancestry uh, test just for fun. Um, I was interested more so in my mother's side um, of the family tree because I thought I knew everything about my paternal side, what ends up being my birth certificate father, not my biological father. I didn't have really any idea that he wasn't my biological father, and uh, he had taken an ancestry uh, test. And was developing a very large family tree. And so I thought, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, getting all that information. And, you know, he was uh, pretty into it. And so I thought, well, I'll take one and see if I can fill in my mother's side. Because my mother um, is not a family-oriented person. And she basically uh, doesn't care about keeping any sort of relationships with family. Um, so we know a little bit about my mother's family, but not much. And, uh, her, my maternal grandmother is from the Philippines. So I thought it would be really interesting to, um, get information if I could, you know, about the Filipino side. I was hoping that maybe somebody, you know, at some point would, would take the test. So, um, I took the test in December, uh, excuse me, not December, November of 2018, and then I got my results in December of 2018, and the, uh, at, you know, like many of us, I um, looked at the results, and I wasn't familiar really with, you know, how the Ancestry.com program worked, but there was a couple of things that stood out as being kind of odd. Like I was about 75% Irish, which was way more than I was supposed to be, or that I understood I was. Um, and then I had a uh, right. Right away, uh, my DNA matches showed um, someone that I don't know that listed was listed as a close relative, about 1,700 centimorgans. I didn't know anything about these measurements, but I'm thinking, well, who is this? This is weird. And I didn't see my dad on there either. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I'm not reading it right or something. And I thought, well, of course, I thought it was a mistake too, like thinking, okay, this at-home test, it's probably, you know, some faulty science or something. It's not really accurate. But then I saw that I had a first cousin. My mom's brother's daughter was matched. So I'm like, well, it must not be a mistake because they wouldn't connect me with her. <laughs> you know, just some random, all the, all the millions of people in the world are just going to, by chance, list her as my first cousin. So there's obviously something wrong here. So um I was very lucky, I feel, um, in i found out who my biological family was pretty soon after getting this information because um what i had done initially is i had tried to message the person i was matched with and there was no response but about a week later so i got got my results on christmas eve as it turns out and then on new year's day i got another hit on my um my ancestry and it was an, another person listed as a close close relative, and this person had a different last name. So I'm thinking, well, this is really weird. Like, who, who are these random people that are you know matching with me? You know that have a lot of centimorgans? You know, like 1700. And at that point, I had done a little bit of research about what that means, and there's a variety depending on the age of of the person. You know, they could be a half sibling. Or they could be, I think it was maybe grandparent, grandchild, things like that. So and I didn't know anything about the, the people. I didn't know how old they were. So I was fortunate is that on um, on uh, January 1st of 2019, the female that had matched with me, she was waiting for her results. And so she saw my message that I had sent. Like, basically, I did everything probably wrong. I don't know. Like, I'm immediately, like, who are you? Uh <laughs> I'm not matched with my dad. I don't know who you are. Why are you matched? Like, I'm sure it was probably the wrong way to approach it. But that's just my reaction was, okay. I need to know who these people are and why we are matched. So she had messaged me back. And we um, after I discovered kind of, uh, you know, she told me that the other person was her brother. They have a different last name because she had been married. So she had her married uh, last name. And they are close to my age. I'm, an, I'm older than they are, but we're in the same age group. so it seemed like half sibling was the most likely scenario. And since I wasn't matched with my uh, birth certificate father, it seemed pretty likely that that was the case. So I, found, I, I felt that you know, now that I've hear, heard other people's stories about you know, these things happening to them, I feel very fortunate that I found who my biological family was kind of within a week you know a lot of people never find out for sure or it can take them months or sometimes years um you know and i i feel very fortunate about that um because my mother no way <laughs> would tell the truth i would never have found out anything by asking my mother um she to this uh, we haven't uh, spoken at at all um since i found this out there was some drama you know when i first got this information um, I had, uh, told my brother that I was raised with, you know, this information and, um, he and I tried to, you know, logic it out and try to figure out what's going on because the first week, you know, we didn't have any information about who you know, these matches could be and why I'm getting these matches. And, um, after I had made contact with the biological family and my, I was also fortunate in that my, uh, biological father is, was living at the time. And he immediately uh, wanted to talk to me and, you know, he called me and, you know, we had a a nice first conversation. Um, So I got a lot of information, you know, you know, about them and they got information about me. Um, So we had my brother, um, I had, I was on the fence about how to approach my mother because I was already kind of not in contact with her prior to finding this out, you know, just to, you know, I could go on for hours and hours about the complications of it. But the bottom line is, is that my mother is uh, not a kind person. She has some character pathology that makes it uh, impossible for me to have any kind of healthy relationship with her. It's not from lack of trying, but at some point when I turned 50, I basically decided that I just, I just can't have this in my life anymore and and to be honest it's kind of on me for letting the relationship go on as long as it did um that you know i she was my mother and i kept telling myself you know she's your mother you should you know try to do what you can and but at some point you just get tired of of the treatment and, and the mistreatment so i wasn't super excited about talking to her about this because my mom is not an honest person and i knew Without even asking the question, I knew that no matter how I approach this, she's going to be defensive. She's going to take it out on me. It's going to be my fault. You know, somehow it's going to be my fault because my mother is the type of person that never takes responsibility for anything. And she's, you know, either going to be the victim so that people feel sorry for her or she's going to be the hero so that people praise her. She's never going to be the one at fault, ever. It's never going to happen. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, so. I I just can't bear this conversation again, where somehow I'm the bad guy. And then I, it takes me days to recover from an interaction with my mother. I'm thinking I'm in a pretty peaceful place. Despite this information, I just don't want to do it. So my brother offered to talk to our mom, but then I thought, well, I'm a grown up person. I don't need to have my little brother talk to our mother about this, but I didn't want to talk to her. But I did want to communicate with her, so I sent an email to her. I figured, well, I'll send an email to her because that way she can open it at her convenience. I can open her response at my convenience, and and not have you know uh, because she, it's going to be a screaming match on her end if, if I talk on the phone. So I sent her an email, and I kind of just lay it out that I took the DNA test, and I'm not matched with Dad, and I am matched with these other people, and. You know, at this point, mom, it doesn't matter why you felt you did not need to, you know, inform me about this information, why you kept it from me. It doesn't matter. I just want information at this point. Do any information you have, I would really appreciate. And I hope that you will provide that. If you don't want to talk to me, I get it. But if you can give the information to my brother, I would really appreciate that information. And this was kind of before I'm trying to think about the time. And I think that I had approached her actually before. Before I made confirmation that this was my biological father. I just had like the surname. So I wasn't exactly sure who they were yet. It was kind of the first few days, but before um, I got confirmation and, you know, of course she doesn't respond directly to me. I didn't expect her to. Um, and she denied everything, of, of course, and told, you know, told my brother that, you know, the DNA is wrong. The science is wrong. She was a virgin before she got married. You know, all this stuff that just... First of all, just so you guys know, <laughs> to put it in context, I was born in September of 1967. My parents got married in March of 1967, six months, and I was a full term baby. In fact, I was overdue. <laughs> so it's not likely that my mom was a virgin before she got married. So that first reaction, of course, is not even believable by anybody at all. And uh, she made a, she, um, my brother, of course, reported to me, you know, all the stuff that she said. And she had a whole series of stories, you know, in, and nobody was, my brother, The one thing I will say about my brother is he's um, not a, a prone to emotion that much. And so he'll just ask questions and he doesn't get flustered really by the answer. So, you know, he, he and he has a little bit of a different relationship with my mother than I do. I'm way more emotional because she hurts me. And she doesn't really hurt my brother so he's able to kind of deal with her kind of at an arm's length transaction and uh, so he just asked her well you know mom that doesn't make sense you know what you're saying and he would kind of put her you know feet to the fire a little bit and she changed the story many many times and um unfortunately one of the stories that she told and she has changed since then, right. But then I think she circled back to, to this story is that she's basically accusing, you know, people of criminal activity and, um, you know, that she was taken advantage of and, you know, raped and and all this kind of stuff. And, and that's, I'm not, and I don't want people to get the wrong idea when they listen to this podcast that I somehow am not sympathetic to that because I know that a lot of us are, are, um, you know, products of rape. But in my case, it's not the case. I, I know that for a fact, just knowing my mother, knowing that putting together some pieces and then actually meeting my biological father. I find it offensive that someone would accuse somebody of something as serious as rape when it's not true and when you don't even know the person. And I just find that that, that really takes away from the the legitimate victims. And, you know, obviously, if, you know, my mother was raped, I would feel really bad about that. It would it would feel terrible. Um, you know, and, but I, I just know, you know, without being there at the time that it's just not true. And I know that for lots of reasons, including the fact that when that story wasn't, um, accepted by my brother at the time, now my brother, you know, we'll circle back to that. My brother has decided to do some things since all this has happened. Um, but she changed the story some multiple times since then. And, you know, just wasn't finding something that felt believable because her stories didn't really make that much sense. Um, my biological father does not remember my mother, but he admits that, you know, he was drinking and partying and was a young man and, you know, had a lot of encounters with a lot of different people. And my mother obviously was, one of those encounters. So, you know, he's not much help. He he wants to be helpful on it, but he just really didn't remember my mother. And, you know, we're talking a lot of years ago, you know, five decades of his life. And, you know, I mean, there's not much you can do really. And that really doesn't really matter to me how they met, quite frankly, what matters to me is what is and um, being lied to because I, there's some funny little facts that um, maybe is important to people. Maybe it's not important. But um, one of the things that my... So kind of backing up a little bit. So my birth certificate father, obviously, he's relevant in this story. Um, he is the type of personality that um, doesn't recognize that he doesn't address that elephant in the room, right? He doesn't... Uh, if something seems unpleasant to him, he doesn't want to deal with it. You know, he just, that's just how it is. You know, we brush everything under the carpet. I mean, the carpet is so high now with all the things I could just get brushed under there. So he doesn't, you know, he has his results also, and he can also see that we're not matched, but you know, I have a couple conversations with him. He doesn't mention it at all. Right. And so I'm kind of like, finally, I just asked him, so dad, do you think it's weird that we're not matched? Or does this seem odd to you? Do you know who these other people are? You know, and he just acts kind of like, yeah, it's kind of odd or something, but he's sort of weird about about the response, right? So um, I finally started asking him some questions like, okay, tell me about that time period. I wasn't there, obviously. Tell me what was going on. And so Long story short, my parents were dating each other, um, obviously at some point they you know hooked up with each other and they were engaged to be married in that summer of um, 1966. My mom comes from a very abusive household um, and my grandfather was actually um, a, a POW from World War II. He was held uh, prisoner by the Japanese for three and a half years. He was severely tortured you know, I had a uh, you know, just it's just a miracle that he survived and he probably suffered from PTSD and other kinds of things, you know, that we didn't really identify in nineteen sixty six or, you know, for many decades after that. And so he turned to alcohol and and was a very violent alcoholic. He had a job and he was able to hold down his job, but on the weekends he was extremely violent. And so my mom came from this really violent household and my dad, uh, my birth certificate father decided that that wasn't going to work for him. He just, he just said, he can't be part of a family that has that dynamic. He also came from an alcoholic home, but the, the, Um, level of violence of my grandfather was just more than he wanted to undertake. So he broke it off with my mother um, in October-ish or so of 1966. Based on when I was due and all that, my conception date falls outside of that time. And so it's pretty likely that my mom should have known that I wasn't his. And he, you know, he probably should have known too. Um, but later he found out that she was pregnant at the end of December, and then he convinced her to get married and they did. So that's why they got married in March. So, um, also my father, uh, who raised me was, is a gay man. And in 1966, that was something that wasn't really safe to admit, um, because people, um, were killed, you know, for that. And, um, he sort of admitted he's, like I said, he's not straightforward, and he kind of dances around things that he sort of admitted that, um, you know, he was looking to have a wife and a family, so he could kind of fit into the society at the time, right? And, you know, my mother being a single pregnant woman in 1966 also was not ideal. This was not a situation that people wanted to be in. And so, I think in some ways it worked out, you know, for me, obviously I'm here because if my mother made other choices, I might not be here. So I have a sincere gratitude for that. So at first I gave my dad the benefit of the doubt. He acted like he never, he had no clue that he for sure thought I was his and all this kind of stuff. Um, this year, at the beginning of this year, my dad and I had a little bit of a falling out over this issue of the, my MPE status and in that um, argument, I mean I can't call it anything else but a, a, a very ugly argument, it was some things that he said um, let me led me to believe that he did know that I wasn't his child. and that's fine. I, I can give a whole ton of credit to people who raise somebody else's kid knowingly right? What I can't give credit to is for him continuing the lie and the deceit on that. And what's worse is his own, um, you know, I don't want to try to be in the head of somebody else or try to, you know, act like I know what other people are thinking. So I can only look at the behavior and the behavior of my birth certificate father is, is basically, he said to my face that um, I have to choose him or my biological family. There's no other option. It's either I have a relationship with him or I have a relationship with them. And quite frankly, I'm not going to make that kind of choice. And I figure if somebody is asking me to make that choice, then they're the one that's not going to be in my life because it's not fair to me. And um, one thing I tried to convey to my, my uh, birth certificate father was um, he seems to not um, acknowledge that my, my, my um, biological father was a victim as well. His child was kept from him. For 51 years. And he's a family man. So he, uh, after he encountered my mother, by the way, he uh, met a lovely woman. They have been married for, you know, uh, 53 years. My, my uh, biological father uh, had been married, like I said, for uh, 50 some years. They had six children, and family is really, really important to him. And he has said all along that he was so sad that he didn't get to have me in his life as a child and all of that. But all we can do is go forward. Unfortunately, my um, biological father passed away just recently, and I attended the funeral. Um, I'm I'm gonna probably refer to him some somewhat in the past, but somewhat in the in the present because this is a recent thing for us uh, to now have to um, you know grieve essentially again. I you know. I had grief for not having him in my life and then finding him. And now I have grief because now I've lost him. Um, So he and his wife were married for a long time, 53 years, I believe. They have six children and family is super important to him. They have multiple grandchildren. They were the type of household that had people in and out all the time. They were super active parents, super active grandparents. And so I tried to explain this to my uh, birth certificate father that um, my my biological father isn't his enemy, right This is a man whose child was taken from him you know without his knowledge and he didn't know about me right He's a victim too right but my but my birth certificate father doesn't see it that way. Um, he basically feels I like, owe oh, him fealty basically for you know he raised me and so therefore I'm in an ingrate for, you know, thinking that I should have a relationship. Um, I find it kind of offensive because essentially, you know, what he said to me is I somehow have a limited capacity to love people that I, you know, that I can only have a certain amount of people in my life and I can't have multiple people. And I'm thinking having, having these new people in my life who have all been really welcoming, I've been very lucky um, a lot of us do not get that kind of reception. Um, you know, I feel that these are just additional family members for me to get to know and love and to, you know, get to love us. It's not to replace my family of origin, right? Um, you know, to be honest, I'm not that close to my family of origin, uh, just because they are way different than I am. Now I know why. <laughs> I'm a, a lot more my like my Biofather, father, as it turns out. And when I get this you got to know him and his personality and just the way he looks at the world. Um, so when I found this out, I was actually, even though it was a surprise, I wasn't bummed actually. I know a lot of people are devastated and I, and I um, respect that. I was actually relieved to find out, to be honest, that, um, not that I don't have appreciation for, this is something that I think is important for, uh, other MPs to hear me say if they feel the same way because sometimes we feel might feel guilty about this feeling. Or if we're fortunate enough to have non MPs listen to this pod, these podcasts, your podcast and others, I think that it's really important for non MPs to listen to them as well because it's really hard for non MPs to understand where we're coming from, right? So Just because I want a relationship with my biological family doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the food, clothing, and shelter that my birth certificate father provided because he did provide food, clothing, and shelter. I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, being homeless or hungry. I always had clothes and, you know, he sent us to private school. So I'm not going to say that those things aren't important, but they're not in lieu of knowing my roots right so i have the right to know where i come from and i can still have and i can still have a relationship with my biological family and love them and still have gratitude and love for my family of origin as well but my um my brother also um, is in the same category where they so what caused the the issue just so i can explain this better. I'm not doing a good job explaining it. So for me, it's not, and I know that some MPEs feel the same because I see it on the forums and there's discussions on it. Not everybody feels the same, but for me, it was really important that I um, take control of my life in ways that I didn't have control of before so you know not knowing who my biological uh, half of my biological family was having power taken from me without my permission or consent and the betrayal and the continuing um, continuing of carrying that secret because my family doesn't want me to tell this story. And they will be really upset if they... They know I've done podcasts. I don't keep that a secret, but they'll be super upset about what I said in the previous podcast that I recorded and in this one and future ones. But I'm going to tell my truth whether they like it or not. Um, So basically... It's a way for me to gain my power back by telling my story, but also what was important to me is to add my biological father's surname to my own. So I decided to make uh, add a second middle name, okay? I didn't really want a four name. <laughs> name, right? So my middle name by birth is Marie. So I didn't want to be Allison Marie McCabe Harden, which is my full name. But I thought, well, I don't really want to hurt my, my parents' feelings by getting rid of Marie, so I'll just keep that. Because I was fine just kind of swapping Marie out for McCabe, which is my uh, bio family surname. But I thought, well, you know, I, I did think about it because I thought, well, even though it's my decision, I don't need anybody's permission. I don't want to unnecessarily hurt people either, right? I don't think there's any point in that. So I had asked my uh, biological father how he felt about it. I said, it, feel, it feels really important to me to just sort of grab this into my life. And, and, you know, the name for me, names are powerful. And I think that it describes who we are and things like that. And of course, he was excited. And, he, and he, his first thing was, I want you to do what makes you happy. And, you know, if that makes you happy, I'm, I support that. So I had uh, told my brother and my dad that I was going to do that. I had sent them a text because that's how we communicated mostly. They, the communication wouldn't happen in my family of origin if it wasn't for me reaching out. That's, you know, I we probably wouldn't speak for years if it wasn't for me. I'm the kind of person that does the connecting and all that. So mostly we have like a group text and I kind of put it out there. No response one way or the other. Okay, well, I gave you a heads up. It's not, you know, you can <laughs> object or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I did it and um then i changed my name on facebook okay and my dad lost his mind and said some rude stuff to me on facebook so i had to delete that and i uh sent him a message saying dad you that's completely inappropriate you cannot say stuff like that to me on facebook if you have a private uh discussion you want to have with me on it that's fine but putting stuff out in public like that um you know he swore at me basically and I won't repeat what he said, but it was totally rude and inappropriate. And My brother uh, also was mad, I guess, about me adding uh, this name. And so they never asked me why I did it, why it was important. They didn't care about me at all. They only cared about them and how it affected them. And I'm not saying that that's not important, but it's actually not important (laughs) in this situation, really, because this is really about me and my journey. And I tried to tell them both that um, the reason I'm saying, telling the people this, by the way, is because I want people to know that um, sometimes when you find your truth, other people might not like it. And so if people are not willing to let go of some people in their lives who aren't supportive of it, they might not want to spit in the tube. Right. I'm very glad that I did it. It, it, to me, I, I kind of expected that I would have some people not happy with the result. I knew my mom would not be happy with it. And I was fine with that. I was kind of surprised that my dad and brother uh, reacted the way that they did. Um, So um, what ended up happening is I basically told my dad that, you know, I need you to, you don't have to understand why I do what I do. You don't have to understand why I'm having a relationship with these people. You don't have to understand why I changed add my name change. You don't have to understand that. I hope that you can try to see that from my perspective that I needed to do that for me and that I'm a grown-up person. I've been running my life for a long time. I'm a mother and a grandmother and I'm a professional woman. I know what's best for me, right? And even if you don't agree with the path that I'm taking, I hope that you as my parent can just support the fact that I know what I'm doing with my life. Well, Instead of him just saying, okay, we can agree to disagree and I'll support you on that. Instead, he reverted to the stuff that my mother does, which is name calling. And, oh my gosh, you've gone off the deep end. I don't know what's wrong with you. You've you really lost your marbles. You know, just stuff like this. And I'm just like, really? I'm not going to do this. So I said, dad, I'm sorry, but I'm going to end this conversation. And I'm, I'm going to have to block you for now because I just... I just can't, I just can't do that. I can't do it. So that had happened at the beginning of the year. And then, um, my brother, we, I got, I had asked my brother because he wasn't responding to me. Usually he'll respond to my text, And so I finally said, are you mad at me? What's the problem? And so he launched in and said, yes, he is mad. And I said, why? And so he gave me his, you know, that he was mad that, you know, um, that i changed my name and that i have a relationship with these people and like i haven't really talked to my dad and brother really i found this out now it's almost three years so it was about two years at that time um because it was the beginning of this year i had we hadn't talked about this issue because they won't talk about it so basically i had the secret life of these other people not because i wanted to keep it secret because they refuse to acknowledge it they refuse to like say hey you know, you've got these other people. Tell me about them. How, how is it going? They never asked me. They never asked me how I felt when I found out this information ever. Like they never asked. So, you know, so whatever. I mean, it's hurtful, but they never asked. So my brother starts going off about how you know, this, me changing my name was like this huge problem for him and that I, that I'm disrespectful and I'm sleazy and all these, I'm thinking, really, that you feel all these things because I've done something that makes sense for me. I said, I said, I need you just to be my brother. I, I don't need you to criticize. I don't even need you to understand, but I need you to be my brother. You're my brother, right? Sorry, that would get really upset because the thing, I'm not so upset about my birth certificate father, but I'm really hurt about my brother because he's my brother. We have been together. We came from an abusive household where we had an abusive mother and there was a lot of violence in our household too. And we survived that together. I mean, there's people who were far more abused than we were. I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, poor us that we had this terrible childhood, but we didn't have, you know, it, there was a lot of challenges in it and we survived that together and he's my brother. And he basically, you know, decided he was going to call me names and and try to make me feel really bad about this decision. So on top of that, what made it worse is he um, decided that um, there's a couple of things wrong with what he did. The first thing is, is he decided that it was easier for him to just go with our mother's narrative. And he decided that my biological father, someone he's never met, never has found one thing out about, is a rapist. He's a rapist and he raped our, he raped our mother. So the obvious thing that's incorrect about that is that he's making accusations, which are very serious about someone that he does not know. But what was worse than that, as bad as that is, is that he was treating me terribly. And I told my brother, I said, I said, Kevin, even if it's true, let's say that it's true that my father my biological father is a rapist i said don't you think you should be treating me with compassion and empathy and not treating me like i'm somehow a bad person i said that's what i would do if i if i knew somebody was a victim you know a, a product of a of a violent crime i wouldn't make them feel worse <laughs> than it is i said but what's you know i said obviously that's not the case i said but i'm i'm actually really embarrassed that you would actually treat me in this fashion if that's really how you believe and and I know he doesn't believe that because he told me before that he didn't believe it but for him it's easier he doesn't want to he does not want to have the drama with our mother so he'll just go with the flow even if it means not having a relationship with me and so the sad reality that um that this, the sad reality is this is that my 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 um brother and my birth certificate father's um, their own issues, their own anger and stuff like that outweighs their love for me. I mean, that's the bottom line. I'm just simply not important to them in the way that they're important to me. That That's just the reality of it. And what I didn't realize, you know, I, I consider myself, I'm a, I'm a mediator, Uh, for a living and I do divorces. I'm a a divorce attorney, but I do mediation. So I'm used to dealing with people, you know, getting underneath that iceberg and digging down and dealing with emotions and all this kind of stuff. And and I feel that I'm a pretty good read on people, but you know, it's like the the Dunning-Kruger effect and we don't know what we don't know. We don't see our own things sometimes. And so Obviously, I was grieving like all of us do when we find this information out that we're grieving for the what if, you know, I knew and the life that we, you know, might have had or would have been better, would have been worse. It's like the butterfly frick, right? You know, obviously, if I had known then he, I wouldn't have these six wonderful half siblings. I probably wouldn't have the brother I was raised with, you know, because the things would have been different, you know, so so you have that, you know, that kind of um, thing, right, that you that you that you just have to deal with, right? So you grieve all of that, right? And um, I circled around this all the time, like this was the the most, like every single day. I I think about this every day, even now. But I think about it less now. But at the beginning, you're just thinking about this every single day, and you know, just you know, just thinking about how things could have been different. And you know, obviously, you have to get out of that circle because you you can't live in that rabbit hole all the time. So I felt that, you know, uh, kind of at the beginning of this year, because I have been able to develop a relationship with my biological family and I uh, visit, we visited multiple times. They live in Washington, so it's not convenient to visit. And uh, most of them, most of my siblings have minor children still and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But I talk to my biological father on the phone every week we would talk sometimes for a couple hours, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer. Um, as he um, had some health issues, he uh, ended up having cancer. And so this year it's been a little more challenging because his, it affected his breathing. And so sometimes he wasn't you know, uh, super spry on the phone, but he always took time for me and he always made me feel important. And so I, I was able to finally accept the fact that this is what it is and kind of get through that grieving process but I still felt like there was something unsettled. And then I realized I should have realized this before. And I probably would have realized this if I was looking at my friend in this situation, but I realized that I was also grieving my family of origin. I was grieving the family that I thought I had, right. I was grieving the, the, the family, how I thought they would be. And then when I realized that they weren't that way, it was easier for me. Right. And, um, there's a, uh, close family friend he's actually my uncle he's married to my dad's brother and he is a life coach and so he knows us and he knows our family and so I had asked him because I really trust his opinion I had asked him I told him about what happened with my brother and my dad and he said he goes has your family ever showed up for you in the ways that you need and I said no and he's like well why would you expect them to do it now I said well I, I guess I shouldn't expect that And he said it's like trying to it's like getting mad he said they just don't have the spiritual ability or you know the emotional ability to do it it's not who they are they're not able to see things your way you can cry and complain about all that you want but it's not going to do you any good it's like you know getting mad at a blind man for not being able to see you can sit there and kick and scream about it's not going to change the fact that they they can't see and I knew that actually, intellectually, I knew that and emotionally, I knew that, but I wasn't able to really see it for my situation. So once he put that in perspective for me, I I was in a good place, right? I felt, okay, I can process that. I don't like the situation. I wish that I had a relationship with my family of origin. That would be way better, but I can't have a dysfunctional one. I decided that... um, you know, I'm not a very good boundary person, and some years ago, I decided I really need to be better about my boundaries for my own health because I just fall apart. You know, when when my mother would you know crush over my boundaries, and it takes me days to recover. I finally decided this is crazy. I need to set a better example for my grown children and for my grandson now. You know, I, I don't want to be the, that that person who just lets people walk all over them. And I figured, well, you know, just like with anything, if you set boundaries, there's going to be people who don't like that. And those are the people you need the boundaries for Right. So I knew my mother was not going to like my boundaries because she's never liked the boundaries that I put forth, but I've been really proud of myself about really staying firm in my boundaries. And I had to also put those boundaries, um, for my, my birth certificate father and my brother. And, um, you know, basically I lost them over that. And, you know, essentially i i decided that you know my door's open if they want to come and have a a healthy relationship with me i might my door's not closed and locked but i can't have that in my life i decided that i would rather adjust my life for their absence than adjust my boundaries for their disrespect that's just not going to work for me and i'm sorry that my path doesn't work for them but i i need to do the path that's right and healthy for me and if they can't be along on that path with me then they don't get to be along on that path with me and it's unfortunate that they did that on top of it this will this is something that I think MPEs need to know actually so my sister-in-law is an MPE also And she's known that since she was a teenager. But, you know, technology wasn't really available for her to uh, get much information. But she did know from the family knew who it was. And so she did know who her biological father was. He was deceased at the time when she found out. And so she was a teenager, 16, 17. So she decided to do ancestry also around the same time I did it to see if she can find any siblings and find out some information. And so she, you know, found some half siblings and my brother, um, is not an emotional, uh, he just, he's very intelligent. He's got a high IQ, but his EQ is very low. He's not, you know, his intellectual abilities are fine, but his emotional abilities not really not in line with, with mine basically. And that's okay. That's just the kind of person he is. And my sister-in-law is more emotion based. And so she didn't find a lot of support from my brother on her own journey. So she and I kind of supported each other on this. And I had, um, Mentioned uh, to her about the Facebook pages, you know, hey, do you find maybe some some value there? And so she was a member of a, a couple of the Facebook pages. So unfortunately, what happened was um, when I got into this last uh, disagreement with my brother, that was, you know, went very ugly quickly. She decided, uh, based on the pressure that her husband was putting on her, that she was going to attack me too. So instead of just attacking me, you know, she shouldn't attack me anyway, but so instead of just attacking me privately by sending me a text, she decided to attack me on the uh, the MPE page, the Facebook group, which of course we all know is there for support. It's, it's a support group for us, and it's a complete violation, not only of my trust with her and our family relationship, but it's a complete violation of it, everything that that page stands for. I didn't know she had done that at first because I don't just sit there on my Facebook page all the time. So I didn't know she had done that. And she, if any, anybody who's listening to this podcast, saw it, they will know it It was a really vicious attack. That was all completely off base and just a vicious attack. Even if it was true, it's completely inappropriate. So I received notification from Facebook as, as you get, you know, that tells you that there's, you know, some, um, uh, you know, some activity or something, right? So um, I was like, what? Okay. So I look and I see that there's also like a a private message from somebody, right? That tells me, oh, they're sorry uh, that they didn't know that this was my sister-in-law. They're sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry that someone posted that. I've reported it to the administrator. Um, I, you know, something like that. And I'm, so I was confused. I'm like, what are they talking about? So I go and I look on my page and, and I go on to that particular page. I can't remember. I think it was MPE friends or after the survey, I can't remember which one it was. It was one of the MPE ones. That's that they only allow MPEs. They don't allow other people in there for this reason, because it's supposed to be a safe spot for us. And I see that she's calling me out. I see it's my sister-in-law and I see what she writes. And I was just devastated to see not only that someone would use that forum to attack another mPE but that it's my own sister in-law attacking me in just vicious ways just because it made her life easier with my brother, who I'm sure was complaining about you know how terrible sister is or
0: whatever and are you certain that it was her and it wasn't your brother using her account? Oh hundred percent
1: hundred percent was her hundred percent because she had attitude about it when the administrator told her that she had to take it off you could kind of there's some there's a little bit of like back and forth that you can see and then they take it all off So i'm not sure how it actually works and she said fine if this is the kind of place that does this and i don't want to be a member it's like well she's completely missed the point this is a safe place and we're not to be attacked and if she doesn't really agree with what another MP says, then you scroll past or whatever. You don't. This is not a place that you attack. I forgot to add why she why she put the vicious attack. It wasn't just totally random. It was related to the argument with my brother. But this is something I forgot to mention. I think it's it's important to put the whole thing out there. So my, one thing my brother mentioned to me. Is he sent me a screenshot of something that I had posted on an MPE page? My brother's not an MPE, and he's not supposed to be a member of these pages. And so, and it was something that was relatively innocent. It was a, a quote that I uh, came across um, that I liked, and I thought it would be something helpful. Um, it was by Anne Lemo. and um, I said something, hey, to uh, it, it said something about like you know if people wanted you to write kindly about them, they should have behaved better, right? Or something like that. So I put that up there because I, I really resonated with me and I thought other people might like it. And then I, I didn't call out my family specifically. I said, you know, for MPs who may have family members that are less than supportive or in denial, you know, maybe this is helpful or something. So um, my brother happened to have a screenshot of that post. And so, and he sent it to me, in a way to just be pissed, right? That's how that's how the argument started. Is I, I'm like, where did you get that? You know, and first I thought it was my sister-in-law that had given it to him, and I said that's really inappropriate because we're not supposed to um, weaponize our posts in you know this forum. And he said, no, it wasn't her. And I said, well, where did you get it then? And he said he got it from our mother. I said, well, our mother's on an MPE. How did she get it? So as it turns out, um, I had also posted that on the, um, I think it's called the Coalition for Genetic Truth. So it's a public page. So you don't have to be an MPE for it. I had posted that same thing there because I also like that page as well. And I was thinking, well, that's really weird that my mother has this post. Like, why does she have this post? And so it turns out that my mother was stalking me actually, and she, my mom's not a Facebook person, but apparently she made a fake, fake book, uh, Facebook profile. From my brother telling me this information that she made a face, a fake, fake Facebook profile, um, so that she can stalk me. And so I was really worried actually about that because I. Um, Not that I really care about what my mother thinks, but I didn't want my mother posing as an MPE in the public forums or private forums, excuse me, obviously the public forum she's allowed to be on with the purpose of like basically fucking with me or anybody else, right? To be honest. And so I was really upset by that. And my brother like doesn't even think there's anything wrong with that. I said, she's stalking me. Like there's a lot wrong with that and and worse. She sent that to you to try to mess with stuff. She wants to start shit. She wanted you to get mad at me, which you did. You fell for the trap because you sent it to me because that was her goal: is to try to say, "Hey, look what your look what your sister is saying about you." Right? I didn't mention my brother. (laughs) I'm just having a post, right? She's triangulating. Yes, hundred percent. And that's how that's my mom's mo. She's a master manipulator. She that's what she does. And I'm not going to fall to that so i was really really upset so um, i mentioned it to my daughter my daughter is all she's the woman that i wish i could be right she has all those characteristics that i wish that i had right as a child like she's very self-assertive she's got a uh, really high self-esteem she's courageous all of these things right she's you know she stands up to bullies like all you know she's so so many admirable qualities so i had called her and I was really upset. I said, Oh, your grandmother, I told her what she did. I said, so now I don't feel comfortable, you know, posting on these groups or reading anything in these groups because I, you know, I, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want that, you know, to know that she might be stalking me because she didn't use her real name. Cause we searched, she, you know, she used a fake name. It was completely fake profile and uh, she, she doesn't have any friends anyway. And she doesn't do Facebook, but she did it specifically. My brother told me why she did it. So my daughter said, mom, we don't, that's not what we do. If people do that to us, we don't shrink down. We don't, we stand up. We say, hey, I see what you're doing and it's not going to work. And I said, you're right. So what I did was, and this is what my sister-in-law was responding to, is I went to the, to the places that I posted and I said, hey, it's been brought to my attention, FYI, that my mother, who is not an MBE, has made a fake Facebook profile She has weaponized something that I posted on a public forum, and I'm worried that she's going to try to infiltrate this group just as a heads up. So uh, all of the moderators in those groups actually reached out to me personally, and they said that they why they can't guarantee that someone doesn't, you know, have a fake agenda. What they do is they do you know they do want to look at your facebook page and if they see that it's relatively new or there's relatively little activity or not very many friends they kind of assume it's fake and why they can't keep all of the mothers or other people with bad intentions out you know they they have some kind of vetting system so i felt okay about that and it really didn't deter me i was kind of thrown off for you know that little moment in time but i continued to post and read and stuff She may or may not get in, but I felt pretty comfortable about, uh, you know, what the moderators do to try to protect us in the forum. And so my sister-in-law decided that she was going to, you know, attack me, you know, um, with that. And, um, you know, so so I don't talk to her now either because um, the the trust is completely broken. I mean, people, they cross, she crossed an uncrossable line. And to be honest, I think my door is not open to her because I, I don't know how I could ever trust. Again, I'm not going to say it's totally close, but I, it's pretty close (laughs) because that's just, it's just way above and beyond what any normal compassionate person would do in the situation. So.
0: I'm so sorry, Allison. I, I want you to describe again to me how you just described your daughter. Can you say those things again? She's
1: courageous. She um, has a lot of self-esteem. She's brave. She stands up to bullies.
0: Do you know that you're describing yourself? It doesn't feel that way sometimes, but thank you for saying that. She learned that from you. It's true. She learned that from her mother. And I noticed something else about you right from right from the beginning of this conversation is that you have very strong conviction and that's going to serve you well in this journey. And I'm really proud of you for that. And and most importantly, you should be proud of yourself for that. And you said something earlier that, that you want to set a good example for your own children and for your daughter. And you are. That's exactly what you're doing. Speaking your truth and standing up to your abusers, to the narcissists in your life, right? You're doing that and your daughter is the way that she is because of you. And that's an amazing thing. When you describe your daughter, to me, you're describing you. Thank you. Try to remind yourself of that every day. Multiple times a day, if Mm -hmm. you can. I do try it is hard
1: because when you you know when you're you the person who's supposed to be your biggest cheerleader your mother right has gone out of her way her whole life to on a campaign to destroy you basically and tell you that you're no good no matter what you do it's not good enough and all of that it's really hard I struck I did struggle with low self-esteem for a lot of years because of you know I believed everything that my mother said and You know, even when I know it's not true, when my mom says, oh, you're evil hearted, I actually stop and think for a minute, gosh, am I evil hearted? And then I know, no, I'm not. Okay, come on, you know, don't, don't go down that path. But it's hard when you come from uh, parents like that. It, you know, I'm not trying to say, oh, woe's me, but it does, it did impact me. um, And it's why it took me so long. So one thing I could, if I could say anything to anybody, don't wait 50 years to stand in your no right? Don't wait 50 years to develop boundaries, which are healthy for us. Boundaries are healthy for us. Don't wait as long as I did, um, because it, it didn't do me any good. It, it it really hampered my ability to be my best self. And um, I suffered from that, you know, and I'm, I won't do that now. And if my dad and brother can't be along with the, the positives that I'm doing in my life, you know, because my brother the thing that that really made my heart sink is I will give my brother credit for this my mom and dad would never they haven't done it in 54 years so I'm assuming it's never going to happen when they're wrong about something they're never going to admit it they're never going to reach out they never apologize they're just not that kind of person in fact they'll cut you off they cut off that my mom has no contact with anybody pretty much and my dad has cut off most of his family too because you know how dare they say anything or whatever he doesn't want to face any kind of, you know, uh, self criticism or anything like that. So you know, they never reached out at all, right? My dad is fine, you know, just not. He like he all of our birthdays are in September, and uh, you know he doesn't bother to send a birthday card to my daughter or to my grandson. I can understand why he didn't send one to me, but you know that he it's just like it, everybody's it, that's it. They're they're you know, scorched earth, right? So after I had the argument with my brother, my brother at least called me and said, oh, he didn't really accept responsibility right, for his part in it, but he at least reached out and said, I don't wanna leave things that way. I said, well, I don't wanna leave things that way either. right? And so we had a nice discussion and we, I, I tried to tell him again, um, why these were important to me and that I didn't expect him to understand it. I hoped he'd understand if I didn't expect him to understand it, but I really hope that he could at least trust me as a grown person to have um, who's made good decisions I, I you know I don't have a criminal history I <laughs> good credit I'm a professional so far I've you know I'm not perfect but I've conducted my life pretty okay you know so far and you know I just want him to be my brother just trust that I'm choosing the path that's right for me even if it's not the path that he wants for me right if he thought I should pick a different path that's not his deal he does a lot of stuff that I don't agree with but I I I give him that quarter that, you know, he needs to do that. So why my heart sunk is I was happy that he called. I was pissed at first because I didn't want to talk to him. We just had this whole horrible weekend. And I'm like, really? You're going to call right now when I'm just trying to get myself reestablished for the week. But then I, you know, got past that and I was glad. But he said, well, I just want things to go back to the way they were. was <laughs> like, you didn't hear me apparently. And so I said, well, brother, they're not going to go back to how they were because that's not healthy for me. You know, I think we left it kind of on good terms, but we're not talking to each other because I haven't reached out to him and he hasn't reached back out to me and I don't think he will. So I'm kind of waiting to see how that goes, but I'm not willing to go back to the way things were because the way things were was not healthy for me.
0: And good for you for sticking to that. Good for you. I know know it's hard. I really do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder... Um, so are your parents still married? No, they
1: got divorced like 30 years ago. Now 20, I've lost track of time. It's been about 30 years they've been divorced. Yeah. They got divorced when I was about 24 ish or so. Yeah. So about 30 years now.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And has your birth certificate father ever been able to live his truth as a gay man? Yes, actually
1: he did uh, decide to live his truth, which I was very glad and supportive of. I was one of the only people. <laughs> In our immediate family that was supportive of it at first um and i'm glad that he said that because i don't think it makes sense to not live in your truth and i've been super supportive of that he's way happier now um because he doesn't have to live in some you know uh, life that wasn't really appropriate for him um and so he does he does live he has a husband and and he you know uh, lives you know openly that way and i'm glad that you know that society one is more accepting of that. So I don't have to worry about his personal safety, but I'm also uh, glad for his emotional safety that I think he's ha- way happier. I don't think he was happy with my mother for lots of reasons, Not, including my mother was difficult, but also because it wasn't really the, the lifestyle that he really wanted. you know, ultimately I
0: think so. Yeah. It's baffling that he hasn't been more supportive of you through this after what he's been through him, himself and his truth? It is,
1: except for when you know his um, personality, this is painful for him, right? Because, you know, to me, what's baffling to me, and I, I do try to walk in other people's shoes if I can, but some things I just can never, I just can't understand why people don't see things certain ways. And one thing that is baffling to me is how my brother and my dad and my mother's this way too but i since i don't talk to her you know I, it's more the more recent conversations is that their love is kind of conditional right Is like you know if you don't act a certain way where we don't like you today and you're you know and i don't you know we families have disagreements but it doesn't change the fact that i love people right and i don't have a limit on on who I love and I don't have a limit. Why can't I have two fathers? Why can't I have seven siblings instead of one? Like, why can't I have multiple nieces and nephews? Like, it's not like I have a, a, a limited supply of um, love and affection for people, and they feel. I, I don't know what they're thinking. Like I said earlier on, is like I don't really want to try to shrink them and, and try to get inside their head, but it feels to me like there's some jealousy there that's unwarranted. They feel threatened somehow, um, and I'm not really sure why. And my, my biological family on the other side, you know, um, I have different relationships with all of them. You know, we all have different personalities, but my biological father, for sure, hundred um, percent, would accept my family, he's accepted me, he's accepted my, my kids and my husband. And he, you know, asked questions about my brother and his wife and my nieces and nephew, and even my mom and my dad. And he's interested in them because he's interested in me. And he makes me feel important. And he makes me feel like something that um, uh, I didn't realize that I was looking for, you know, I was 51 years old like I said when I found this out I said well I don't really need a father I you know I was already raised I've been you know raising myself now for the last however many years but then as I got to know him and um, got a feel for his personality I realized you know I am kind of looking for a parent in some ways because he we were on this kind of it was kind of an uncanny wavelength like if I was thinking about him he would call and we you know we had this kind of a little bit of a connection there that I never had with my family of origin. I'm not connected to them. I never felt like I fit in and I don't have any kind of connection with them other than we live together. Right? We, we grew up in this house together. They raised me obviously I'm biologically related to my brother, and my mom, but there wasn't really a connection there, but I had this connection to my biological father that I'd never felt before. And um, he would give me advice about things or we would talk about stuff. And I, I felt that I could tell him about something and, Feel safe doing that. Like I, he, you know, even if it was something that maybe wasn't ideal, I could tell him something, you know, that maybe was slightly embarrassing or whatever. He seemed to have good, uh, good things to say, and I never left any single conversation feeling unimportant ever or unloved. And it's, it's the exact opposite of how I felt with my parents. My parents, I would never. They would be the last person I would go to for advice, the very last people, because they would criticize your what they would consider poor judgment. How could you do that? And it would just be this. I just a whole litany of why I'm such a a mess up from way back or whatever. So um, I was really enjoying that. Right. And he offered things in my life that I didn't even know were missing. Right. I didn't know I was missing these things. And so now that he's passed away, I don't have that now. And and I had doubted a little bit, like, is he just doing it? Because one thing my brother said to me, they're just being nice to to be polite, <laughs> right? This is what my brother says to me. So of course I have to get that out of my head. No, I'm a lovable person. They're you know they're but there's a, that little doubt. Maybe they are just doing that to be polite. Obviously I know that that's not true. And I see that he treats everybody that way, you know, all of his kids. And he wasn't perfect. He had, my biological father had a lot of issues and he definitely was a blustery person and a really big personality, right? He he says himself, hey, half the people in the town loved him. The other half hated him. There was no in between. He was one of these magnetic personalities and he wasn't for everybody, which is, I'm not for everybody either. I could see, I just had maybe better self-control, but I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that is exactly how i would feel inside about a situation right so i see that he brings that forth even even his, the children that you know grew up with him i had asked them at the funeral you know what they would miss most about our dad and pretty much across the board they said his advice and his love for everybody and that's something that i am going to miss because it's something i didn't have before and i didn't even know how much i was missing that you know so So now I have to grieve his actual passing and it's going to be, you know, I'll be, I'll get through it, but it's, it's tough. I I lost him already for the first 51 years, found him. It was the most fantastic 33 months getting to know him. And now he's, you know, he's gone and it's, it's going to be, it's tough. It's going to be tough. And, and, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the gratitude in it that I'm lucky that I had him at all. But sometimes, some days you say, you know what? Sometimes it just sucks. <laughs> I don't want to find the gratitude. It just sucks, you know, but I do try to, I do try to stay positive, but some days, you know, it's a little harder than others, but it'll hopefully, I'll always miss him. And I think I was missing him my whole life. I just didn't know what I was missing. And now that I found him, I, I'll definitely miss him. Um, but we, we as humans have an, uh, an incredible ability to adjust and, and, and live anyway. And i'll forever be grateful for the impact that he had in my life not only for giving life i wouldn't be here without him but for just what he gave to me in the short period of time um you know that that i knew him and if anybody's um wife is listening to this who is the wife of or husband of it could be the husband i guess but usually it's it's usually the wives usually there are npe is usually the uh, parental figure um i just want to say that it that the input of the wives is incredibly important because if my biological father's wife wasn't the amazing person that she is, I might not have even had the opportunity to meet him because the wives have a lot of influence on how the rest of the family goes. And um, it seems like when you read some of the MPE forums, that sometimes it's the wives that prevent the relationship. And I hope that they know we're not here to hurt you. We're not here to ruin your family. We're innocent too, and we just want to, you know, to be be accepted, and you know, not to not to cause harm. And so I was so lucky that she's she's an amazing woman, and I know she had to put up a lot with my biological father because he got himself into a lot of a lot of uh, uh, forceful. Uh, Uh, situations with people. Um, but she accepted me and I was, I, I, I don't even know how to thank her for, for that because her acceptance really meant more than anybody's acceptance actually.
0: So it sounds like there's a lot of emotional maturity, um, on her part, which is mm -hmm. wonderful. And and unfortunately Mm -hmm. there are a lot of NPEs that I've spoken to who will never have a relationship or know a whole lot about the person that they come from because the current wife is, um, not open to that and unfortunately hinders mm-hmm. any kind of a, a relationship. And it's, it's really sad, but it speaks a lot to her emotional maturity, um, that she was accepting and that, um, she was supportive. That's an amazing thing. I, I give her, uh, so much credit and I'm so so sorry for your loss I'm so sorry that your time with him was way too short you were you were robbed and um I'm just as angry with your mom as I am with my own I'm, I'm just so sorry
1: yeah me too but you know all we can do is just deal with what is and and try to you know process it and just you know go forward. That's all we can do. But I, you know, I will never regret finding him. I will never regret finding out the truth and I will never shut up about it. If my, my family of origin does not, uh, support this, that's on them. It's not on me. And, you know, on on the other hand, by the way, my, uh, my, my dad's, um, other siblings that are living, some of his siblings are deceased. And my cousins, you know, from my dad's side, my birth certificate father's side, they all said, there's no refunds, you're part of the family, right? So they don't care that we're not biologically related because we're still family, right? We're still family. And, you know, family is more than just blood ties, right? It's your, you know, it, there's so, so much that goes into a family and kinship on the same just because I'm biologically related to people doesn't mean we're a family either, right? So, but... But there are things that are important and something, you know, there's some things that are just in the DNA and it's important to know what those are, even if it's just medical things too. So
0: See, their reaction, that's a normal reaction. That's that's normal. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they ask how I'm doing. How are you with this? Yeah.
1: Can we help you in any way? Just like my friends and of course my family, you know, my husband and kids and stuff. They're supportive of it because i'm important to them right they 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 love me and they
0: don't put strings on that right i'm very glad that you have that in them i i know you mentioned that um you changed your last name and i can't tell you how happy that makes me and it makes me feel better about my decision because i have been in the process of changing my last name to what it should have been as well um I will never have the chance to meet my biological father because he had passed away um, about eight months before I made this discovery. And so when he died, um, he didn't know about me at all. Um, but I felt very strongly, I really kind of suppressed it for a while thinking, oh, people will think this is crazy. <laughs> I'm not going to do this. But it's some one day it just, it was like this light bulb turned on and I was like, that was supposed to be my last name. That was supposed to be my true identity. And so not too long ago, I started um, the paperwork for changing my last name. So it feels so good to hear from another NPE that you did that. And um, I'm just so proud of that. And it makes me feel better about making that decision as well, because it was hard. It was a hard decision to make, but at the same time, so easy. It's kind of a dichotomy, you know. Um, But I'm just really glad that you did that for yourself. I think that it's really important for our our identity. And that kind of goes to my next question for you, which is since finding this out, have you felt like your identity is different and no longer the same or that you have been through kind of an identity crisis of sorts? not exactly like you know
1: I was pretty um I pretty much knew who I was you know by the time I turned 51 you know my <laughs> warts and all right good bad and ugly I pretty much knew who I was and um you know where I came from as far as like the the uh you know the the parentage that I had as far as who who raised me right and you know sort of the Trials and tribulations that I had gone through, right? So I was, you know, pretty uh, solid in who I was as a person, my character, in other words. Um, what changed for me is I actually felt better, lighter, more relieved, and more validated in um, myself. Because the bottom line is this: I'm just going to say it. Um, my parent, my family of origin, doesn't like me, and I don't quite like them much. They they don't like me because I'm not like them. And I'm the black sheep of the family. And you know what, if, if being different than you makes me the black sheep, that's fine with me. So it explained a lot because when I was a child, my mom, my dad wasn't quite as bad. He wasn't as verbally abusive as my mom. What he would do is he would like He was pretty mellow, but then when he blew, he blew big. Like, for example, something that doesn't ever get talked about in my family is my dad uh, was basically the shining. (laughs) He took an ax to my car and busted out all the windows in uh, middle class Sunnyvale, California, in front of our house because I backtalked or something. And um, not only did he do that, which is crazy completely extreme my right, uh, reaction is I had to pay for the damage before I could get my car back and I worked I' worked since I was 13 I had to ride my bike you know to to and from work and you know I had was a full-time uh, student I think minimum wage then was 310 an hour and I kind of vaguely remember that the bill was somewhere around 500 which seems cheap for now but in 1984 this you know it's a lot of money and my not only does my dad not talk about this but he denies that it happens that I actually had to ask my cousins who had to come pick me up for my own safety I said did he do that to my car just checking oh yeah he did that just making sure because that's one of the things that I tried to kind of bring out it's like dad you always want to ignore stuff you know like for example, with my car, like we never settled that thing. So, you know, he would have that kind of reaction where my mom was just constantly, you know, verbally abusive all the time. So anyway, you know, you come into your your adult life with with these experiences that you have. But I I decided that these experiences, you know, they show where I've been, but they don't have to define where I'm going. So when I found out that I wasn't biologically related to all the people that I thought I was, and I met them, I could see, okay, I'm not a complete Weirdo, right? I am actually, I fit into this other family better, even though we weren't raised together. And even though he didn't raise me, I could see that I would have fit in there better. And that made me feel validated by, um, I already knew that there wasn't something wrong with me, right? There's not necessarily something wrong with my family of origin. We're just different kind of people. And that's okay. They can be different than me. They can look at the world differently. That's fine. The, The world would be a very boring place if we looked at the world the same. If we were all the same, it would be so boring. What's not okay is that they attack me for being different. They make me feel bad for being different. They make me feel worthless for being different, right? They... Want to rub it in. Oh, there you go again. Look what you did. You know, that's what's not okay, right? It's not the fact that we're different. It's the fact that they think that there's something wrong with us being different. So, finding this out, actually, I found it to be a huge relief. So, I think it added to my identity. It didn't really subtract
0: from necessarily. I think there's also um, a possibility that they are threatened by your strong conviction and by your self-esteem and your ability to stand up for yourself. Um, I think that there's probably a lot of low self-esteem and there typically is with people who are narcissistic. Um, you know, they, they give a vibe that they're very, um, confident when they're actually not. Um, in fact, it's the complete opposite. And, um, I think that they tend to you know be very threatened when somebody in the family the black sheep in the family has their strong convictions and has integrity um and has a strength that they don't see in themselves that they wish that they had.
1: Yeah, you 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 understand the dynamic and, and in um I'm glad to hear that there are lots of MPs that don't have a narcissistic parent and that don't have a bad experience, you know, with their families. I, you know, I, for a while there it was like all of us were had a pretty similar vibe to our story. So I felt um, pretty um, happy to hear that they not everybody's story necessarily comes from a, a a narcissistic mother or a mother in denial that sometimes there are, you know, uh, mothers that do step up and, and do the right thing, or maybe they told their child way back when, and maybe they didn't have information. So I'm glad to know that not everybody has, you know, mothers like ours, but there is sure a lot of people that do have mothers like ours. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So where are you now in your journey and what has helped you to cope with everything that has come along with this discovery?
1: So I think uh, I, w- I was at a pretty good place with this journey until my biological father passed away. That's, you know, kind of through a little bit of a, a blip in the radar there. Um, so I have to you know process that, but I'm, I'm at peace really now. Um, I found I had a lot of difficulty um, accepting the fact that my siblings have a different relationship with each other than they'll ever have with me. And that I have with my brother, right? Because they have, even though we're all, um, you know, blood related to each other, they have the sibling society. They grew up with each other. That's something that I'm not going to have. And I really mourned that at first because um, I, I loved being an older sister to my brother and I loved having siblings and I always wanted to have lots of siblings, right? And so that was hard for me, actually, that part of it. And then I realized that it's okay to, um, it's not my ideal. Obviously, we can't go back in time. But what I what I realized is that my son-in-law, who's, who's married to my daughter, he's every bit of part of our family as my children are. And I'm hoping, and he came into our family as an adult person. And so I'm hoping that over time, you know, I'm developing different relationships with each one. That we, even though we are um, consanguineous with each other, right? Consanguineous with each other, we're blood related. Maybe I can insert myself as if I were a sister-in-law, right? You know that kind of thing, even though we're blood related, right? So, having a, a more of like a the final kinship, right? Um, and kind of looking at that way, I'm like, well, you know, those kind of relationships work and they're valuable and stuff like that. And so it doesn't it's not like I can't have a, a healthy relationship with, with my siblings just because we didn't grow up together, that maybe we can have a healthy, fun, you know, vibrant relationships as adult people, just like I do with, with, you know, in-laws and things that might come into your family after the fact, my nephew has a, a new baby, a new wife, and they're in, you know, so when, once I kind of changed my perspective on it, it made it easier. I can feel okay about it now, where before I didn't feel okay about it, I said this this is terrible I, I hate everything about this, and so when I just kind of readjusted my focus on it, it helped me get to a pace a place of peace and um I was reassured somewhat after um my father passed away, I was a little bit worried about where will I fit in you know do are they gonna want anything to do with me you know just these doubts that you might have, you know And um, I didn't get that impression when they, of course, I said, your family, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they, you know, just acted like they always do. And um, it obviously, it's not a reflection on them, it's a reflection on me sort of carrying that baggage from my childhood. And, and I'm hoping that we can, you know, continue to develop adult relationships going forward. So I feel like I'm at a really good place now. Um, This, this doesn't overtake my life like it did at the beginning. And I don't, um, I'm able to have a, a more positive attitude about it. Um, and some of that has to do with just passage of time, right? I mean, it's been almost three years, you know, and I think that time help does help heal all kinds of things for us as humans. And just trying to help me um, with my perspective. So how I do that is I have a really good friend. She's my best friend. She's also my, my law partner here at, at our firm. And we talk about this stuff, I help her, she helps me, and she's been like super great on helping me just put things in perspective. She's my sounding board and um, and I do the same for her when you know, we're going through difficulties. So she's been super important. Of course, my family of origin, not my family of origin, my, my current family, my immediate family, my husband my kids have been super supportive. Friends and family, they've been supportive. Um, I did talk to a therapist for a little bit just to, you know, uh, see if it would be helpful. And I did a couple of, of sessions and, um, sort of, it helped me to sort of shift my focus a little bit. And then I have a, a life coach the, that I talk to sometimes just to make sure, Hey, am I, am I looking at this right? You know, stuff like that, or, or do I need to change my perspective? And so that's all helped been helpful for me. Um, and you know, I, and talking about it to people and, you know, just, I, I feel Because I came from a household where mud was thrown on my wings, I wasn't allowed to have an opinion, you know, I sort of had to go along to get along. Um, And I felt really stifled in my household because I'm actually not that kind of person. I'm actually kind of a vibrant sort of outgoing person with a lot of opinions. But I felt really scared to offer those opinions because the ramifications were not going to be pleasant with my mother. It was just not worth it. So I had to be a different person Um, all my adult life. My mom doesn't even know the real person I am because she was not a safe person to show that person to. So being able to talk about it now and say, you know what, I don't care if people like me or not. Right, I would rather people um, dislike the authentic me than like the fake one. And so, once I've accepted that, is just sort of owning that—that that I, you know, and that I'm not going to be shamed into um, being silent. I'm not going to be bullied into being silent. And I'm sorry if it hurts people's feelings that I'm telling my truth, but it's my truth. It's my my story, my path, my life, and i'm sorry if you can't be on that but you know that's kind of where i'm at now and i've you know i think that that's helped me personally um to just accept things that i didn't have any control of not right? have control of any of this right none of us do and we find this out some of us are younger when we find it out you know i'm you know in my 50s now it's pretty late to find out that you have a totally different family um to be honest though uh even though i wish that i had known this earlier I'm in some ways glad that I didn't find out until the technology existed for me to find my biological family because my mother would have never told me and I would have been driving myself nuts day in and day out trying to figure out who they were with no ability to find it so in some way the timing is beneficial because I was able to get this information but of course I lost decades you know of of, of a life with other people that you know maybe my life would have been worse I don't know how my life would have been it would have been different um, but at least it would have been based on truth and not lies so
0: I really love the way that you look at things <laughs> I really do I think that um, your story is going to resonate with a lot of other NPEs and I think that it's going to help people who maybe have been shamed into silence or who have been afraid to tell their story. I think it's going to empower them. I really do. Um, I think that you are so absolutely brave and so, so strong and um I know that through this journey, you know, we have days where we do feel super strong and days where we just don't, where it's just, it's very, very draining and we and we don't maybe feel as strong as other people think that we are or, or the way that other people see us. But what I see and hear is um, a very, very strong, brave woman. And I'm so glad that you told your story here and I can't wait for other people to hear you, to hear your heart and your soul and what you've been through, and um, if there is anybody um, who would like to reach out um, and connect with you, is there a way that they can do that?
1: They can, and um, I'm sorry if my story went a little bit over the place as we start talking. (laughs) It gets a little confusing, so I hope that it does help uh, people to hear, you know, um, what sort of what I've been going through. Um, if, some, if if people have any questions for me, I'm happy to answer anything. Um, the best way is probably by email. Um, so they can, the best email to reach me is uh, uh, at sunny. I'll say it and then I'll spell it. So sunny alley, uh, Oh, sorry. That's not my, <laughs> I don't even know my own email. Sunny alley at iCloud.com. So that's S-U-N-N-Y-A-L-L-I at iCloud.com.
0: Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And I think you told your story beautifully. I think it was beautiful and eloquent and raw and real. And I think people will really appreciate hearing your story. Thank you so much for sharing.
1: Thank you, Michelle. I really appreciate um, that you have this forum. I know there's other uh, podcasts that are also helpful. Um, One thing that I really appreciate yours is that yours is, is, um, I, I really like your personality and you just, Call it like it is. You're very authentic. Not to say that the other people aren't on the podcast. They all have their their uh, benefits, but I really enjoy your podcast, and I think a lot of people will get a lot of benefit out of listening to your stories as well. And uh, you know, hopefully, mine and other people that are on here really appreciate that so much. I know it's a lot of work goes into these things, and I really appreciate the fact that you're that you're putting in this time to to create this for for yourself and for others.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate those kind words. I really do. And I appreciate your support. And I I feel like I've made um, a lifetime friend. Thank you so much. And now to my listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode today. As always, I leave you with an important message. If you are a parent who has not been forthcoming with your child about their true parentage, I urge you to share the truth with them. Withholding this information for any reason will negatively affect your relationship and your child's mental health down the road. If you're not sure the best way to reveal the truth, there are qualified therapists that can help you communicate with your child in a healthy way. Our lives are enriched by having parents who are honest with us. Honesty saves a great deal of pain in the future, and it fosters an environment of trust and genuine intimacy between parents and children. Discovering a non-paternal event later in life is very traumatic. We have a right to know where we come from and to know our true ancestry and our mental and physical health history. And while sometimes it's said that the truth can be a double-edged sword, it's far more harmful and damaging to withhold it from the people we love. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, please email thesecretinmydna at gmail.com. Your story could end up being a survival guide for another NPE who may be struggling or feel alone in their discovery. You do not have to give identifying information, and if you prefer to share your story anonymously, names can be changed or abbreviated for privacy purposes. To hear more amazing DNA discovery stories, Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at anchor.fm slash the secret in my DNA. The secret in my DNA also has a Facebook page where our NPEs can share photos and updates of their journey. So please go give it a like and a follow. I'm your host, Michelle Perret, signing off till next time.